Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Today we're going to finish off our series on prayer. And over the last couple of months, we've been thinking about many different aspects. We thought about adoration and what it feels like just to be in God's presence. We thought about um, praying for other people, praying for ourselves, praying when actually things are really difficult and we think that our prayers aren't being answered and how to persevere in prayer. And we thought about listening to God and learning how to hear his voice. And today, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, when I was growing up, probably like many of you, I learned um, some easy acronyms just to learn about prayer. So the easiest one was probably teaspoon, T-S-P, thank you, sorry, please. And then I learned acts, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, a fancy way for saying asking for things. And yet, um, I didn't learn about spiritual warfare in prayer. But it is right there in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil, evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is a kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I'm going to take us through a series of questions I think that popped into my head as I was preparing. And the first one is, what war? When I was growing up in the United States, the Vietnam War was raging on. It started before I was born, and it probably finished when I was about 10 or 11. And it was a big war. It was on TV a lot. Um, but you know what? I was a kid, and in my head, it was just kind of happening. It's happening in a distant land. It didn't really affect my daily life, so just let it happen. And I wonder if we sometimes think about spiritual war in a very similar way. We know it's happening in the heavenly realms, um, but you know what? It's kind of distant. It doesn't really affect our daily life, and so we're not really paying attention to it. And yet, this is probably what Satan wants. He doesn't want us to pay attention to the spiritual war. He wants us to be um, unprepared and just to not think about it. Another thing about the Vietnam War is that um, when the vets started coming home, they started to describe a different type of war. It was a guerrilla war. And so you'd have the American soldiers who were walking through the jungle, and they didn't know the jungle very well. And what they didn't realize is that the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese who did know the jungle well, were able to hide out in the bushes. And so as the American soldiers were walking through the jungle, they weren't aware that the enemy was right there. And a sniper would just be able to pick off the soldiers just one by one. And so again, if we are walking through life that way, not quite aware that there's an enemy hanging out there who does not want good in our lives, he is not for us, then he can kind of catch us unexpected. We're not ready for it. 
dear, I just don't. Okay. Um, in Ephesians, it says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So it is there in the Bible, we are in a spiritual war. C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So we're not talking about going after Satan and learning more about Satan and learning more about demonic powers, but we are saying that equally you need to pay attention and believe that there is a war going on. So don't ignore it either. So what war? This spiritual war against dark forces. Okay, so next question then. What's this war all about? Vietnam was really complex, and the wars today are complex. And sometimes I try to get my head around them. Wars in Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Democratic Republic of Congo, Central African Republic, all these wars going on. And I don't really understand what they're about. But spiritual war, I think spiritual war, probably, what this war is all about is actually fairly straightforward and fairly simple. It's about our freedom. It's about our freedom. It's about my freedom, it's about your freedom, it's about the freedom of every individual because God wants to set us free. When I was um, young, I grew up in California and every summer I spent a lot of time at the beach basically because it was cheap um, and it was fun. And um, I used to like to bodyboard a lot. And so when I was 13, my brother bought me a Mori boogie board and it was like the coolest thing ever. It was blue and it was green and it's yellow. And I just thought, I'm the coolest thing ever, 13 years old, going on the bus with my Mori boogie board. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, I recently looked it up online. And it's like in the vintage section of like Mori boogie boards. I didn't like that that much. It cost 40 bucks then. Whoops, and it was, it's $100 now. It's worth $100. Um, but sometimes I go to the beach, and all day, you know, I might catch a wave, or I might not. Um, but if I caught a wave at just the right time, it felt so good. I felt free. You know, riding that wave in, it was fast, it was exhilarating. I loved it. I loved feeling young. I loved feeling free. And we have moments like that in life. You know, it might not be riding a wave, but it could be just sharing a really good laugh with a friend and just feeling like you could laugh forever and ever, or you do something else you enjoy, and you just feel free. We like that feeling of being free. With Jesus, the freedom that he brings is everlasting. On the surface of life, it doesn't always look like laughter or joy, um, but the freedom sits way deep in your core. And when you let Jesus into your heart, something happens deep inside. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. 
and you are set free. And when you experience that freedom, what flows inside is peace, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what being free is all about. Jesus came to set us free. And even after we let him into our heart the first time as humans, sometimes we just kind of hang on to things and we're not really free. So the freedom part is never finished. He keeps wanting to set us free. Nikki Gumbel says this, freedom is probably the best contemporary word to define what the Bible means by salvation. Freedom is probably the best contemporary word to define what the Bible means by salvation. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The freedoms come at a huge cost. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, a part of him, to die on the cross. And when Jesus said, it is finished, the war was won. So today, we stand in a place of victory. The Lord's prayer ends with, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. We stand in a place of victory. And with victory, we have freedom and we have peace. So what's this war all about? This war is about freedom. So when's it going to end? Sometimes... Um, in life, I just feel like, you know what, Lord? I'm like ready. There's so much stuff going on in life. It's really hard. It's like, I'm ready. Please come. You know, I, I'm, I'm just wanting to go. And then I read this in Second Peter. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so I read that, and I think, okay, Lord, you know, if what you're waiting for is for everyone who's willing to come to you, then okay, um, we'll wait for that day. But sometimes it's really, really hard to feel like we stand in a place of victory when life is difficult. The world can be a really dark place, lots of bad things happening. Your life might have a lot of bad things happening. There might be sad things, there might be difficult things, challenging things. And then you might be struggling with things yourself. You know, maybe there is temptation, maybe there is sin, and you're just struggling to get out of that cycle. We've all been there. We've all been there. We all fall short of the glory of God. But in this dark world, sometimes we just need to hang on. There was one time when um, Rupert and I and his parents and um, Charles, my son, we went to Turkey. And um, if, if you know Rupert and I well, then um, what you'll know is that we're really last-minute people. We're totally disorganized, and we're just like always scrambling around. And so true to form, we go to Turkey. We land late at night, right? We haven't looked to see where the place we're um, staying is. All we're thinking is that we'll get in the car and we'll just go. Well, we land late at night, sat now, but we're not quite sure where we're going. It's super dark. We run out of petrol on the way there, um, and we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then we get back on the road, and you know, there's all we can, all, the only light we have is that from the headlamps of the car. 
And so we're just following that, and we're on the road. We get to the place, um, and actually everything was okay. But I think sometimes life can feel like that. You know, you feel like you're surrounded in darkness, and all you've got in front of you is God's light. And so all you can do is just kind of go step by step and just stay in that little bit of light, even though you feel surrounded in darkness. Next day, my other son is coming, so he's going to be at the airport. We go, Rupert and I get up, we go to the airport, same road, bright day, we're going along the road, and we're like, whoa, this was a pretty dangerous road. You know, there are all these like steep drops and sheer cliffs and etc. We had no idea, no idea. And sometimes, again, that's what it's like with life. You know, we're going through a dark time. We get to the other end, we're fine, we're okay, and we look back, and actually, in the light, we can, we can see that God was with us. He was protecting us. He was there all the time. In John 8, 2, it says, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus talking. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're hanging on when life gets hard, what I suggest is that you pray out some of the words of the Bible. Look in the Bible, and if you don't have enough strength to find the words yourself, use words like this in Psalm 139. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Let God hold you in the good times and the bad times. And when you're struggling you're struggling and you think you can't feel God holding you, then you know what? A lot of times he uses us. We hold each other. We are church. We hold each other when we're struggling to feel like God is holding us. So when's this word going to end? It's going to end in the Lord's time. What's our role? Right, there's a war going on. What, do, what part do we play in it? In Matthew 5, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Our role is to be light in dark places. In Galatians 5, it says, You were called to be free. Free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we use our freedom not to do bad things, not to do whatever we want. We use our freedom to serve. There's been a lot of things happening in this church. You know, we've mentioned that we're thinking about calling a new pastor, and there's a meeting on Tuesday. But over the last few months, we've had a lot of words come into this church. And so Peggy has had um, a vision and a word of, like, um, unhinge the doors of this church. Let's unhinge them and let the power of God come through, sweep through. Izzy has had a picture very similar, fling wide open the gates and let the king of glory come in. 
And so as a church, there's a real desire for us to move out into the community. But it's not only flinging wide open the gates of the doors of this church. It's actually our hearts and our lives. Let's fling wide the gates in our hearts and let the Spirit come in and the power of God move forward so that we can be light in Poynton, in Stockport, in Manchester, in Macclesfield, wherever the Lord sends us. Swing wide, open the gates. But if we're going to go to battle, then we need to be prepared. So what's our role in this war? Our role is to be light in darkness. So how do we prepare ourselves? We prepare ourselves by putting on the full armor of God, and that's what Sean read out in Ephesians 6. Firstly, we stand strong, and we claim our ground. We are saved. You put that helmet of salvation on, and you don't let things mess with your head, right? You are a child of God. We are saved, and nothing will snatch you out of God's hand. So put on your armor of Put on your helmet of salvation. Nothing will take away the freedom that Christ has bought for you. Secondly, we use the word of God to protect and proclaim. Protect and proclaim. You know, the armor of God talks about the belt of truth. And the belt of truth, you know, you see those big weightlifters and they're wearing that huge belt. And that belt protects their back. And it strengthens their core. It gives them stability so they're planted and they can lift. I think uh, Sean's nodding like he knows. <laughs> um, but it stabilizes you. And you know, when you have the Word of God in you, that's what it does in your life. It stabilizes you. It plants you. It gives you support so that when life is kind of rough, you've got that as a resource. So use the Bible to protect yourself. Use the Bible to proclaim God's word. There's so much power in it. And in the armor of God, the Bible is referred to as a sword of the spirit. It is used to slay Satan. And that's exactly what Jesus does in the desert when he's being tempted by Satan. He's using the word of God. So use the word of God to protect yourself and to proclaim the word of God. And again, if you're having trouble finding the words yourself, Pray the Bible. There are loads of psalms in the Bible from David who feels like he's being attacked and has got all these enemies. And just pray it out loud. I do that sometimes if I don't have the words myself. Or pray out Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth, nor, nor angels nor demons, nor any other force. Pray the Bible. So we're going to use the word of God to protect and proclaim. Thirdly, what do we do? We hold on to our faith. Our shield of faith and breastplate of righteousness. Our shield of faith protects us from all the doubts and lies that Satan wants to tell us. And he tells us lots of lies and he plants lots of doubts in our head. Are you sure God exists? You're foolish. Does he really exist? You're going to fall for this? If God was really with you, then how come he allowed all this suffering in your life? Why is this going on? Or you're not good enough. You're not a good enough Christian. Actually, you're a hypocrite. 
You are not a good enough father, mother, friend, daughter, son, sister, whatever. You're not good enough. Or another lie. Do you really think that God can keep forgiving you when you keep on sinning? So in those moments when we are hearing those lies and we're hearing the doubts from Satan, what we hold on to is that shield of faith. And you hold your faith there, and anything that the devil is throwing your way, you're deflecting with your shield of faith. And the breastplate of righteousness, that protects your heart. So you're wearing that, and that's your faith. And sometimes righteousness kind of has bad press in our society and in our culture. Because when we hear righteousness, we think self-righteous. We think, that person, they think they're better than me. And as Christians, I think sometimes we have that reputation. They're self-righteous, self-righteous kids who think that they're better than everyone else. But in the Bible, righteousness is more linked to faith. And I love that picture in the Bible where God is talking to Abraham. And God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son. I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham says, uh, you know, I'm really old. Sarah's really old. Um, we don't have children. I don't see how this is going to happen. And God says, come outside and look at the night sky. And he says, look at the stars. I promise you, your offspring will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And then it says, and Abraham believed. And God credited that to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. And God credited that to him as righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is about faith. <laughs> Lastly, what do we do? We pray at all times. This is a series on prayer and we've been talking about lots of different aspects, and I think the message over and over was how we need to pray at all times. When we pray, we are in the presence of God, and we're aware of his presence, and we're alert, and we're ready. And so another part of the armor of God is to have our feet fitted for readiness, our feet fitted with readiness. We need to be ready to move. And what have we got to take? A gospel of peace. That is what we're taking so read the Bible, pray at all times, and fit your feet with the gospel of peace. So how do we prepare ourselves for this war? We put on the armor of God. In Romans 8, it says, If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then who can be against us? We are individuals, and we are our church, and we stand in victory, and we are ready for battle, because if God is on our side, then nothing can stand in our way. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.